Hello from the future. It's your host Craig and I'm answering the page just to warn you that there are some severe audio issues throughout this recording. Our science guys have taken steps to reduce them as much as possible, but when restoring from cassette tape, there's only so much you can do. So we beg you to bear with us throughout the discussion. Hello, this is Alexander Siddig and you're listening to Neil Before Pod and don't tune out. Neil Before Blog presents Neil Before Pod. And welcome to another cosmic cat-loving edition of Neil Before Pod, the podcast that knows what blockbuster video is. I'm your host Craig, and I'm here to bring you an episode devoted to Marvel's most recent solo release, Captain Marvel. So joining me from the widest reaches of the galaxy as far back as the 90s, uh, we have Natalie. Hello. And Isaac. Hello. Welcome to the 90s. Isaac sounds like he's in space already, like... He is in space. Oh, We're all in stick. space because the Earth is in space. <laughs> oh, that's lovely. Yeah. There we go. Um, so before we get to our normal <clears throat> topic, we will mm-hmm. get to discuss some stuff that we like and don't like. So it's our award-winning, I don't know what award, but uh, Neil Before <laughs> Rise Against feature. Mm-hmm. So Isaac, what would you like to kneel before? Uh, I think I was going... I wasn't sure, but I'm going to kneel before. It's not a particularly strong kneel before, but I'm going to kneel before this, this slightly charming Toy Story 4 trailer. I don't actually see, I'm not, it's one of those ones I've not really looked at anything. I, I knew it was on the way, like they were making a Toy Story 4, but I was like, ow. Oh. I not like looked at the, I didn't see the teaser, or I didn't really look at that, the, the promotional picture and stuff, but this is sort of from it. We watched the trailer while we were having tea, and I was like, yeah, it was quite charming, it's a nice little. I mean, he sounds. Woody sounds really old. Aww. Really like it sounds very tired. But you know, it's always fun to sort of see the, 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 that gang back. And uh, did it make you cry? Well, it's only sort of a, <laughs> sort of a little trailer. <laughs> There's some very creepy dolls in it. It's. Um, it looks like they're going to be the finish like some some carnival, I think, or like a fun fair. There's uh, a new sort of homemade. Spoon, like <laughs> thing. A sport? Yeah, it's like a spork with like pipe cleaners on it and a blue tack face. And cute. The new sort of central thing. But yeah, it kind of looks cute and fun and silly and. Just sort of I nice haven't thing. seen it. Uh, I think it only came out like yesterday. I think it was the other day. Recently. All right. Yeah, oh wow. Hopefully, it's another just sort of charming little little movie that we can all enjoy. Yeah, I think it looks pretty good. Um, I do have issues with the fact that children can apparently just create life by sticking some crap together uh, and it somehow becomes a sentient being. So oh, wow, that's that, amazing. That raises all sorts of questions about things in this universe. You know, is everything sentient? Is some kind of clay sculpture, is that now sentient? Can you make... Well, I suppose you can make something out of plasticine that now comes to life. Does that mean we're torturing forks every time we eat food? Nah, it probably needs to have a face. Yeah, but if that's all you need to do, then that's it's pretty horrifying. <laughs> it's going to become as horrifying as the Cars universe. That's, I just still don't understand how the Cars universe happened. I haven't seen any of them, so... I haven't seen the first one. Uh, so, Toy Story 4, I've got a fear that it might be one too many, because three 
capped everything off pretty well as far as I was concerned. So we've got a fourth one now for reasons. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I have to be honest, the third one had me. I cried. It was at a very emotional time. <laughs> it was. So, yeah, Toy Story 4. Uh, Natalie, do you want to give us your kneel before? Yeah, uh, I am kneeling before uh, getting outside. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. My new job means I get to hang about uh, some lush gardens every day, um, and it's just making me realise that I need to get outside more because it's good for you. I'll be so. rising against going outside, but. <laughs> Uh, no, no, not not in this podcast. Well, that's fine. Yeah, outside is dangerous. Inside is where it's safe and warm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, sometimes. <laughs> Isaac, do you like going outside? I like going outside. Uh, <laughs> what a question! <laughs> what kind of nerd are you? <laughs> well, I love it. Edinburgh's really lovely, and I like exploring it. So yeah, it's. Good answer. I can do that on Google Maps. I'm just going to live the stereotype sitting inside. Slowly killing myself. Oh my god, <laughs> that's so depressing. It is so depressing. Um, so I'm going to be positive now. I'm going to kneel before the reinstatement of James Gunn as director of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. I think he shouldn't have been fired in the first place, as we discussed at length on a prior podcast. Why was he fired? He was fired because of tweets that he posted like 10 years ago that weren't... Oh, okay. Uh, But, you know, it wasn't a problem when Disney hired him in the first place. Uh, They knew about the past, they knew about the kind of stuff he came from, etc. So there was no reason to cut him loose based on that. It just lets idiots on the internet win. So it's good that they reinstated him. They should never have... Um, cut him off in the first place I think it's it's for the best that they've taken a stance and supported him so good on Disney for a change Okay, I don't know anything about that so I will not comment yeah. which is most unlike me <laughs> <laughs> uh, Isaac your thoughts on James Gunn's reappointment uh, I think why this is like another rumour that I've sort of I can't remember who said it but there's a thing where it kind of it's a win-win situation because Disney can say that they've done the right thing by firing someone because of a past action, but also they get the like people wanting him back, so they can be like, "Oh yeah, we're bringing him back." So it's kind of like I wouldn't be surprised if they if when they fired him, they were like, "We're just sort of like we're not firing you, but we're just sort of like like putting you on ice for a little bit, and then we might we can bring you back." Like, just doing it for a like, show. Fired him, like, so I'm going, like, not, for, not too much for show, but, like, I'm going to keep you... We'll keep you out until, like, this all blows over, and then when when it's once it's, like, sort of all news, we'll sort of bring you back in, and maybe, like, say if you want to, you know, pursue another project or something. Just, like, not blacklisted, just, like, we have to, like, we have to let you go because of our family-friendly, you know, policy at Disney, so we have to do that as part of our thing just because that's you know it's part of our image that we have to like look after but also you made us tons of money so what we'll do is just sort of keep you you know just say we're sort of firing you till this all blows over and then we'll just negotiate a new deal to get you back 
So like, so okay, so what did he do? He just said some sort of like unpleasant, not very funny jokes, like like eight years ago or so. About about like dredged up. About various things, about various things that people get annoyed about anyway. Um, I think they were like they were like deliberately sort of edgy jokes that yeah they're a bit. I mean, and having read them, I think they're in extremely poor taste, and I don't find them funny. Um, but at the same time, I recognise that James Gunn isn't that sort of person anymore. You know, it's um, he's I guess grown a lot over the last ten years. He's so was he a dick, and now he's not a dick. I mean, I don't, I don't know what sort of a person he's like in person because I've never met the guy. But uh, but I get the impression he's not the same guy that did that, that would post those tweets, you know. And the thing is, people change, people redeem themselves to mm. some degree. Okay, time for rise against um, Isaac. What are you rising against? So it was revealed recently that Detective Pikachu the the part was written for Danny DeVito. As Pikachu, <laughs> uh, and apparently the like he couldn't. I think it was due to his commitment to Dumbo, he couldn't do it. But they have like voice tests of him. Apparently, it's amazing because it's a lot of he's doing a lot of improv with it. It's it's Danny DeVito. It's this seventy-ish year old like New Yorker as Pikachu, and like the directors are like. We're really, we're really kind of annoyed that we couldn't get him. Like it was the dream cast we had in our heads as Detective Pikachu. Like we're very happy with what Ryan Reynolds has done, but they were saying they will have to, hopefully, be able to release some of Danny DeVito's work because it is, like, exactly what they wanted. And it's sort of a shame to be like, oh, we're gonna get, we're getting the second best. <laughs> like, Aww. like everyone likes Ryan Reynolds, and he'll, he'll do a good job. But like, everyone's happy with him already. But it's all that knowledge that, oh, we could have had Danny DeVito, though. <laughs> Danny, Deve- uh, Danny DeVito is this adorable little Pikachu, which also, so it's already set down and, like, no matter what the film's like, like there's always, like, a what-could-have-been situation that we'll, that we'll never yeah. know about. Well, what a contrast. What an utter, utter contrast. Yeah. Well, here's um, something they can do. It's already getting a sequel. So the sequel can be a, some kind of buddy detective story with another Pikachu voiced by Danny DeVito. Problem solved. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, they can leave us wanting until the sequel and then that way we'll get two Pikachus, one voiced by Danny DeVito and one not. What's okay. like the evolved... Yeah. What's the evolved one? What's the evolved Pikachu? Is there an evolved Pikachu? Raichu. Raichu? Okay. Yeah. Huh. I, I don't know if there's another one. I'm I'm very nineties when it comes to my Pokemon, um, or early two thousands when it comes to my Pokemon. It wasn't out in the nineties. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's how old school I am. I'm, I'm pre Pokemon. Um, yeah, there could be a third form now. I know there's a young form, but that doesn't. Yeah, you could. Danny DeVito could voice Pichu, which is the little baby form. Danny DeVito. Yeah. Oh my god, that'll be adorable. Uh, so you're rising against the fact that we're not getting Danny DeVito as Pikachu. Yeah. Fair play. Uh, Natalie, what are you rising against? Um, running out of biscuits. <laughs> not because... based at all, but okay. Well, okay, yeah, no, I just... Um, 
Oh, is it supposed to be entertainment based? Ideally. Um, what am I rising against? Nah, there's like nothing. Maybe I'm rising against the lack of anything to to rise against. Because I don't really have my eyes to the skies for what's coming out. So it's all kind of a wonderful surprise for me. Fair enough. (laughs) Yeah, I don't like running out of biscuits either. Although I almost never buy biscuits, so I'm always out of biscuits. I go through like little little phases where I end up buying loads of biscuits. Hmm. So yeah. (laughs) <laughs> That's where I'm at right now. Isaac, do you feel the pain of lacking biscuits? Uh, I tend to always have some biscuits. Well, I mean, I've got some here, but it's only one kind. You need to have a variety. I can live. I can live on one if I get like one good one. Hmm. All right. Okay. Well, sorry for being so terrible. My rise against is um, the latest, <clears> hopefully <throat> last Dark Phoenix trailer. Uh, doesn't matter how much footage they release of this damn thing. It still doesn't look good. It's... I don't know. I feel like they've just given up on the X-Men movies now. Which, of course, they have because it's now a Disney property. But they didn't know that when they were they were making this film. So it just makes me wonder how... At what point did they just decide that they didn't care about this anymore? Um, it, just, it just looks dull, bland and you know, sort of ancient. Hmm. I feel like the, you could apply that to many X-Men movies. <laughs> well, I think the average out is being... You know, there's more good movies than there is bad movies in the X-Men franchise, I think. I feel like we've talked about this before. Yeah. One and two are good. Uh, the second Wolverine film's good. Logan's good. Mm-hmm. First Class is great. Days of Future Past is pretty good. So the only ones that are kind of bad are the first Wolverine film and Apocalypse. Um, so yeah, there's more good than bad in the X franchise. But they just seem to have given up on it now, uh, which is a shame. Well, there's lots of like, side projects for the X-Men, though, right? Not anymore. Um, because... I thought there was like something on, on Netflix or something. Uh, you're thinking of The Gifted, which is a TV show. Yeah. Um, or Legion. Legion's really good. The Gifty's pretty good as well. But um, are those are those X Men like people? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but now they're going over at Disney, so they'll so Marvel will pick them up and do something with them. But um, yeah, it just feels like X Men Dark Phoenix. We just have to kind of suffer through it because they've already spent money on it. Well, I mean, you could just not go and see it. No, I can't do that. Yeah, but think about it, like, the more people, it's just because people keep going to see them and feel invested and going to see them that they keep thinking they've got an audience for these things and they'll just keep making them. Well, Marvel are going to make them anyway. Once they, okay. once they take ownership. But yeah, I'm not impressed by the, the footage. The film itself might be pretty good, <clears throat> but who knows. Um, yeah. Isaac, the latest X. Dark Phoenix trailer. I'm kind of looking forward to this one, actually. Like, it looks kind of just entertaining, and like, that's all it is. It's just a film, and it just needs to be entertaining. The trailer looked like 
like a standard sort of action movie trailer. I was like, yeah, I'll give it a watch. It could be kind of fun. Uh, yeah, I'm not going. I'm not going to go in negatively. I'm just not going to go in like, you know, not. You know, not just like go in like, not expecting the greatest film in the world, but just hopefully like hour and a half-ish to a bit longer than just kind of entertaining superhero nonsense. Well, let's hope for that. Let's hope that the the Fox X-Men franchise doesn't die on a whimper. Um, Of course, New Mutants might come out eventually on some streaming platform. Straight to VHS. (laughs) Oh, 90s. Okay, so... That is our end of our first feature. So, speaking of VHS, it's time to go back to the 90s to talk about Captain Marvel, um, the latest film in the Marvel And our last stop before Endgame, which is, as we talk, less than a month, over just over a month away. Maybe less than a month away by the time you listen to this, who knows? Depends when I can get it edited. Um, So before we launch into spoilers We'll start with our spoiler free chat So Isaac what were your thoughts Captain Marvel is my favourite superhero Like I I Started reading some of this like Only a couple of years ago when I started reading comics and stuff But Captain Marvel since like She's just the funnest one to read She's the funniest one to enjoy And I've been super excited for this film Since he announced I think it was like 2015 or so. It was a long while ago when the cast had been Larson and it was ages. And I like, there's a lot of subjectiveness into mine, but I, I think this is my favourite of the Marvel movies. It's really great. I love just what I It's just like fun all the way through. It's just sort of funny. It was just, I don't know, it's just really good. I just really liked it. Nice. It's pretty much everything that I like. It's the character that I, as I wanted her to, like, to be in these, like, just a great intro of that character into this like big like universe but, like the rest of whatever the rest of the stuff she does hopefully it should be quite imp- I think it'll be quite a big impact going mm-hmm. forward because like well she's a big sort of one of the juggernauts of the Avengers I guess like a Hulk or a Thor so she's she's super powerful and then you have other characters that are kind of like Miss Marvel and stuff that they could go down that avenue so I mean it's like it's Finally, it's, there's a Marvel movie where I know the character before I go in, and it's a new one. So like, I have stuff to look out for, which is exciting, because I think all the other ones, like, that's my first, you know, Black Panther. I didn't know who, I didn't know who he was, or like, I see we've seen him in Civil War, but I didn't know anything about him. Doctor Strange didn't know anything about him. Whereas, like, oh, finally, it's someone who I actually, I've read these, and it's, I don't know, it's, it's nice to go in sort of knowing some of the characters before the, the film introduces it. But yeah, didn't let me didn't let it down. I, I really loved it. Definitely my favourite of the Marvel movies. Cool. And uh, Natalie, what did you think? That's a lot of like great positivity. Um I did I I liked it. I feel like it has quite a strong uh female power message for little girls, which I think is really really good. Um I don't know, I definitely don't think it could be one of my favourites. Part of me was a bit like, what's going on here? So that's just because I don't, like I've not read her story and it did make me think like where's she been this whole time? Like where, 
where has she been, like, on anything? Like, she seems like she's a really important character, but she's missing from, like, so... I don't know, just, like, so much. It would be nice to have seen her, like, incorporated sooner, rather than coming out uh, quite late on uh, in the Marvel game to be, like, quite an important figure. But, yeah, enjoyed it, I guess. Would would see it again. Did quite like Brie Larson, so yeah, it's got that going for it. And uh, and um, yeah, no, sorry. <laughs> cool. Uh, my thinking is kind of along your, the same lines as you. Um, I thought it was okay. Um, I don't think it set the earth on fire for me. Uh, I enjoyed parts of it. I thought parts of it were really bad. Uh. I Ooh. think Brie Larson's a great actor, but I don't think she's very well. She does very well in this particular role, in this particular film. Anyway, I don't know if the character will change into something that I find a bit more watchable in later films. But I just never engaged with her um, at all. I think part of it was due to the due to her having a kind of quippy response to everything that was said to her, which just kind of got annoying after a little while. Um, yeah, just, yeah. I think it sits comfortably in the middle somewhere of the you know of this absolute Marvel ranking that's in my head. Mm. It's just kind of okay, but I was expecting a lot better. It kind of has me worried about the quality of these um, the the upcoming Marvel releases in a sense because you know the Ant Man and the Wasp was fairly mediocre. This is, to my mind, fairly mediocre. So. I'm concerned, and I don't like the look of Spider-Man, the new Spider-Man film. So I'm kind of worried as well. So expectations mm. could be changed, but we'll see. But based on this, I'm not hugely enthusiastic about this character or her inclusion in the universe uh, from here on out. Why did it take so long for her to to be a, like be brought into it? Because I feel like. I feel like yeah. that's something we should come back to in the spoiler. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> Let's talk about that later. <laughs> yes. Um, so shall we uh, Shall we click connect and, and uh, connect to the spoiler in spoiler net? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I guess. The enthusiasm. <laughs> wow. Events. Uh, <laughs> okay, clicking connect. Hang on, it's still connecting. Right, we're finally connected, so we can say whatever we want. Yay! So I think we should start off with the Q&A section. We have some questions from the audience. So that's exciting. Uh, I'm going to start with regular contributor to this podcast, Angus, who actually asked two questions, but one of them will come to... He's got questions. He's not allowed questions. Yes, he is. He's not here, so he's therefore allowed a question. That's rubbish. So the the first question is something we'll definitely come back to, so what I'll do is I'll acknowledge him when we do bring it up. But the the first question that I'm going to ask from him is, how much homework is required for casual fans? Do you think the history involving the Kree, Ronan the Accuser, etc. is easy enough to follow, despite being from however many movies ago? Um, that's a good one. I don't. 
I don't think there's an enormous amount of homework required for casual fans, although there is a tendency to get lost in the kind of lack of mythology it has. So it doesn't give you much information on the Cree, really. Uh, it's just they're an alien race and they talk to some weird hologram thing that sits in their brains and takes on the form of someone they respect. And beyond that, you don't really get much else about them. Oh, they're the Cree. Yeah. Mm. I know they're supposed to be blue. For some reason, they're not, except from Ronan. Um, Ronan, who has about as much character here as he does in his uh, his first appearance in Guardians of the Galaxy, where he's defeated and dies. Uh, and I think this is this well, this being his second appearance, he's hasn't accused anyone yet, despite being Ronan the accuser. Uh, so you have to wonder why they're called accusers. So I think they could have done more with the mythology. There's clearly an interesting society to the Cree that we could have explored instead of not exploring it. Um, we don't really get any perspective on their culture. So I don't think any homework's required unless you want to know about their culture, in which case you might have to read Wikipedia or something. Uh, which, yeah, don't ever do that before a film, though. You shouldn't have to. I feel like he asked that question maybe because I asked him questions when we were watching it because I was like, who are those guys? What are they supposed to be? Were you asking him <laughs> questions as the film was on in the cinema? Of course. Oh my god. Well, only like once or twice. It wasn't like crazy. But I definitely, I wonder if I had anything to do with that. Only because, like, there's so much that you have to try and be aware of. And it's like, well, I don't know. There's too much. Isaac, what do you think? Do you think there's homework required or... No, I think well, I think that's one of the problems Marvel are starting to get, especially like if you went into Infinity Wars, your first one. That's all homework. There's, if you didn't know anything about that, you would I mean, you'd hate it. So you have to have certain ones where it's relatively like you can just walk into it. I think this is one of the maybe one of the easy ones due to its time setting because it's a, well because the Earth sections are in the nineties. She's there's no other heroes running around so that's that's a good thing to introduce people because say for example if they're watching uh, Homecoming and like Iron Man's about and the Avengers are already about and they're moving like oh we're moving like Thor stuff and Captain America stuff it's like there's already another story that you have to or it's beneficial to have watched those mm-hmm. otherwise whereas this it's like yeah she's the only one it's very solo. There's there's no there's no one else. Other than I suppose there's Nick Fury, but again, it's also kind of an origin for him as well because he isn't like yeah, he's in Shield, but you can just sort of wave that away. It's like that's just FBI of this universe. It's like it kind of like you can sort of work out like the creed is like oh, it's just an alien empire. Maybe there's like and maybe maybe it's like the Roman Empire like I know with the thing like you're saying <laughs> that like certain ones are like blue and then certain characters are just like you know not blue it's like it could be just a case of like it's just made up of various planets or or on the Cree homeworld there's like various skin colours it's not one of those things that like it could just be like yeah some are some are blue some aren't blue it's not like we don't get too much of the Cree homeworld other than like they're sort of establishing you know, the, the, the CGI shots and stuff. Uh, but I don't know, like, like I know that like outside of the films, like Cree have been in like Agents of Shield and 
Yes, Guardians of one, the Guardians of Galaxy one. So they're kind of they're about they're kicking around, but I think in general they're just they're pretty gen like at least we're still together. They're pretty generic. They're just warriors, like space warrior people, basically Romans. <laughs> um, I mean, we get we get more for the scrolls because it's like oh yeah the shapeshifters, but these are all kind of concepts that everyone knows. Like oh these are shapeshifter guys, these are like military alien guys. You don't need... And that's enough to be like, yeah, that's all these... They're having a war between these two races. These can shapeshift. These are just, like, super technological, like, technically advanced. Like, if you can't... Like, that's easy to fathom. Like, even if you haven't seen any Marvel movies, like, that science fiction tropes that from, you know, decades and decades ago. So I don't think you need too much homework, especially not really any Marvel homework to get through this. It's It's pretty... It's a good intro one. Kind of gives you like a wee base for a few of the characters, like you said, like Nick Fury and the guy that we get to watch die twice. What's Coulson. his name? Coulson, yeah, mate. Yeah, but um. When's the second time he dies, from your perspective? Unless you've watched Agents of Shield. Oh no, I meant like in the future. Because we think that he dies, but it's actually one of the, like, alien guys. Oh, I see. Okay. So I remember being like, whoa. Alright, yeah. So his duplicate dies, his alien. Yeah, I was like, guys, what are you doing? Like, we already had to go through this together, like, once, and... Jeez. Coulson lives. <laughs> he always lives. Yeah, well... Except when he doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't know. I feel like... I feel like it's an okay one. It's like what Isaac said. Like, the other ones can be tricky when you know that there's, like, all the other Avengers and stuff running around and you're like, where, the, where are these guys supposed to be at this time and all that stuff? And she's just out there on her own. And I think that's what I had a problem with, like, for the movie because you're just kind of like, I don't know, maybe they're going to explain it for the next movie. But I just kind of was like, where, where was she when all this was going on? You know? Everything else, it feels very much like an afterthought to have her, even though it feels like the Marvel universe was kind of started with her. So, I don't know, it's a strange one. Yeah. So, next question, we'll go for a funny one. Uh, Damien asks, did Goose actually lay eggs in Fury's eye, since no one knows how flerkins reproduce? Ugh. I don't, I don't think so. Um, Ugh, what a minging question. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I suppose. Um, I don't. Why do they think eggs? Like, is that like a? Because aliens lay eggs in people. I don't. They don't lay about the hands though. Well, how do you? Know? I. How do you know? Have you done a flerken autopsy? I suppose. <laughs> no, because he just scratches them, right? Like it's not like anything other than that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't think so. I think it is just a scratch. Although I do find it amusing that that Fury spends the next several years lying about uh, how he lost his eye. Uh, in Winter Soldier, he says, "Last time I trusted someone, I lost an eye," which sounds better than an alien cat scratched it out. It's not an alien cat though. It's a flerkin yeah, that resembles alien. a human cat. But it's an alien cat, basically. It looks like a cat, so it's an alien that looks like a cat. So. <laughs> 
Um, I feel like that's how he would explain it to people, just to cut out the, uh, you know, all the questions that would follow up on what is a flerkin. So he would just say an alien cat. Although he wouldn't say anything because he wants to lie about it because it really doesn't blend into his macho badass exterior. And also he's not allowed to talk about flerkins or aliens. It's kind of like, he's like kind of like Men in Black. I feel like S.H.I.E.L.D. is Men in Black. Well, that's kind of what they are, yeah. They deal with the threats that that people aren't supposed to know about, despite the fact that they have their logo on everything. Yeah, as pointed yeah. out. Yeah. Uh, funniest thing is, in the first Iron Man film, they didn't even realise that their, the letters of their name spelled out S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, Whose name? The letters that S.H.I.E.L.D. stands for. What is it? Strategic Homeland Intervention... Something. I can't remember. <laughs> okay, well, you feel that. It's had several, like, acronyms. Okay. Um, I don't know any of them, so I'm just laughing. Okay. Uh, shield definition. Yeah, so the, the MCU version is Strategic Homeland Intervention Enforcement and Logistics Division. Hmm. Um, and that's what they were so called in the Googled first that. Iron Man film. And then uh, Coulson didn't seem to realise that, oh yeah, you could just call a shield. Yeah. They're witty. Well, yeah, there's been a bit of retconning on them. But to answer that question, no, I don't think Goose lays eggs in Fury's eye. Until proven otherwise, I will die on that hill. Okay. So here we go. Next question. Next question is from Jordan. Uh, how do you think future films will approach the fact that Captain Marvel is clearly too powerful, as in more powerful than anything else that we've seen so far? I think that's a problem, uh, because she is clearly invincible, which is kind of why I was lifted out of the, the action sequences in this film, particularly the end one. I thought she was... Yeah, there was no jeopardy whatsoever, because I knew that... Well, obviously we know that she appears in later fi- in that later films, but, but there's no no stakes to those fights because she can't be hurt and she can just wipe out anybody in one hit. I mean, she flies through a spaceship without even thinking about it. So That was pretty cool though. Yeah, but it's going to be a problem. I mean, at least with Superman, you've got a chunk of kryptonite and then you're okay. But but with her, not so much. We just mm. get another villain. It's like with Hulk or Thor, you just get a villain you can fight him. It's like another Kree or something. Like, it's... it's you just yeah, like you just you just find someone you just make up a character of like a similar power level or something or some other threat. This is sort of just standard Marvel movie. Like they, no matter how powerful you make a character, they'll just make a villain who either has one thing extra on them, whether it's they might be threatening some someone that they love or something or somewhere else, and then you just or you just make someone of like an equal power thingy. Like the Grandmaster in Ragnarok, he's just like, yeah, hey, he's powerful, he's pretty powerful, and he's got like these this gladiator gladiator thing, so that's a bit for Thor to be entertained with, even though he's like a god. So they just they just write up a threat. Why do you think she's? But why do you think she's uh, invincible? Well, she can fly into space without any kind of breathing apparatus. Mm-hmm. So she can fly through the right. atmosphere. So she's better crash. than Iron Man. She can crash through a spaceship mm-hmm. without breaking a sweat. Like mm-hmm. Iron Man. <laughs> I don't think Iron Man would be able to necessarily do he that. He does it in the first Avengers. He crashes through that whale. 
Yeah, but that's like quite risky for him. He still does it, though, doesn't he? Well, it doesn't, he doesn't look it. like he's not that impressed afterwards. He just well, he does it. He's it. like, I mean, well, he that's flies done. inside and shoots missiles inside it. So that's like, um, it's just a fleshy thing. So, um, yeah, I, she is far too powerful. This is why I'm just like, why was she not? Why was why was Captain Marvel not the first movie? Well, is it because she's this, a woman? This well, one thing oh, is this a, current this current version of Captain Marvel, like the uh, the Carol Danvers one, they didn't really make until like twenty fourteen ish. Okay. Like, because she took on that that design and stuff. So I suppose like Marvel so she's kind, kind of. of like, yeah, she was, like, another character first, and then, then she took over as the Captain Marvel character. I think it's 2012 or 2014-ish, so it's sort of... I'm not sure where the films were at that point. Was it just after the first Avengers? Yeah, it was kind of was pre-Ultron sort of time. So it's um, so middle of yeah middle of Phase 2-ish. And they, I think they were planning to put her in Ultron? Joss Whedon wanted Spider-Man and Captain Marvel to be part of his new Avengers team at the end of Age of Ultron. But um, but thankfully he didn't get that because it'd be like who the hell are these people? Yeah, and they just sort of had to like they have taken the time because they especially announced it at least they announced it at the same time as like Tom Holland being Spider Man and he's been like he's got like a fifth film coming up. Yeah. So it's like they have had her like sort of in development and then certain storylines of. Like there's certain things he wanted to use some like later stories and so like her story's kind of been developing roughly at the same time as this universe has been super popular, which is why a character is like I know you're saying like Craig was saying like she's too sarky, like and like too witty, but then like every character in the Marvel movies is. So when they mm-hmm. redid her character thing, he's like, well yeah, that that works. Like, people love, like, Spider-Man and Iron Man and Doctor Strange and Star-Lord and, like, all these jokes and they kind of like that, the like, the sort of bantery camaraderie that, especially stuff like, like, I think the most similar ones to this is, it's the two big elements, they go, well, Guardians of the Galaxy made, like, a, a billion, billion dollars or something. Oh, a was, billion, billion? It was a billion, billion, and it had a, <laughs> a sarky, funny cast of characters like weird alien stuff and era appropriate soundtrack so like when they came to this one it's like oh the 90s like oh you know it works great era appropriate soundtracks and the same thing that happened in every Marvel movie is all the characters mm-hmm. are always really funny so I think that's sort of a thing where especially in like the the comics they'd written that in so she would they were more like hearted and she was kind of like relatively you know she's they could tell a joke and, you know, have a good, good, good laugh. I mean, she gets on... In the comics, she's, like, one of the Guardians, so she gets on well with that gang. Mm-hmm. I uh, feel like the whole Marvel, like, checklist or bingo, I guess, that they feel like they may have to use, I just don't feel like it played... Like, played out kind of, like as seamless maybe as they wanted it like I could identify it so easily and it just kind of didn't gel with me yeah I think my issue with it is it didn't feel organic like the Mm. humour in this film didn't feel organic for me so 
you know, and the thing is, I mean, you could counter it with, well, you're always laughing at Tony Stark. And it's like, well, I'm not always laughing at Tony Stark. Sometimes I think his humour is ill-timed as well. Um, sometimes I'll think Thor's coming out with stuff that doesn't, you know, fit the scene. Or um, And, I mean, the thing about Guardians of the Galaxy that annoyed me was the, the style of humour, the way that they presented it. Um, which didn't bother me in the second one. Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, I don't like the first one. I quite liked that though, but I think it worked for that movie, and I feel like they've gone, well, it worked for this movie, it's going to work for all of it. Well, I mean, like, the, thing, the, the, the thing about humour is it's always going to be more subjective than almost anything else. So whether it's it's difference of if the film's trying to make me laugh and I'm not laughing, I'm going to like it first. So, um, hmm. and I think that's kind of what happens here. Where I mean, I found some of the jokes really funny, which we'll get to. But uh, I didn't, I didn't find her quips especially clever or or well timed. So that's part of the issue. But um, that's nothing to do with her power level. So yeah, I don't actually know how they're going to solve that problem, other than as you say, let's bring in another character who's, you know, if she, if she's power level ten, this guy's power level eleven. Um, which is kind of boring. I mean, that's why the the DC films are so unengaging, when in their usage of Superman. And it's like, oh yeah, let's bring in someone that could kill him. Fine, but that's kind of dull. All the time, anyway. You can do it now and again, but it's kind of dull at, all the time. So, I think unlike unrelated, but most of the Marvel Phase Three films are the same film. Like if we're talking about like the thing where it's like these have all got a checklist. Yeah. Like nothing mm-hmm. like a lot of them involve a main character being betrayed by a mentor. Because you've got like in this, you've got Captain Marvel and Yonrog, Black Panthers, like the king turned out not to be as great a guy as he thought he was. The Ancient One's not a great as person as he thought he was. Um, was it's one? like it's just don't have, don't trust anyone. Yeah, don't have, have faith another one where it's like the mentor character turns out to be. Oh yeah, God in the Galaxy Two, like. His dad, like, Ego turns out to be not the greatest guy that he thought he was. Thor's dad was a liar. Yeah, Thor's dad was a bit of a liar. And then, yeah, in Ragnarok, it turns out there's, like, some secret in his family. And it's like, a lot of these films are sort of like, they've got, they have kind of one idea, which is like, oh yeah, some betrayal down the line. Someone, there's some slight betrayal. And it seems to be they're, they're running with that quite a lot at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, so... One more question. Uh, this is from Susie, and it's it's, it's a good one. Uh, what are your thoughts on Brie Larson's controversial comments when marketing this movie? And do you think that the opinions of certain people become invalid if a film isn't quote made for them unquote? What yeah. I don't know to what they're referring. So that okay, marketing so, has escaped me. So in the marketing of this film, whenever Brie Larson, not all the time, but whenever. In, in a lot of cases when she was interviewed she was she made some kind of biting comments about the fact that she didn't want white male critics seeing this movie because and I think what she was getting at was that there was a there's a lack of diversity in film journalism um, and okay. film criticism uh, in terms of who outlets will hire and who outlets will you know assign to certain things um, and I think that's certainly a problem I'm speaking as a white male that reviewed this film, so she's probably not interested in my opinion on it, but um, I think she could have articulated herself a lot better than than she did. Um, So what was her issue? She didn't want the opinion of... 
she she well, she kind of came across as if she didn't care what white males, white men thought about her film. All right, okay. Captain Marvel. Well, she can uh, say that, can't she? She can. Like, you can say whatever you want. Yeah, she can. But I think the the way she was coming across just kind of rubbed some people up the wrong way, and it. Who? Just people on the internet. It just they're they're inflamed well. comments, and I think she wants to. Um, I think what she's trying to get at is there's not enough diversity in film criticism and she would like more diversity in film criticism. So she would have liked to see more, you know, more women reviewing this film, more people of colour, more women of colour, more different voices sort of um, commenting on this. Uh, and I just think that she didn't come across as well as she, she should have. And it's almost a shame that I didn't like the film... Um, as much as kind of, as much as I wanted to, because it, of course I go and see these things because I want to enjoy them. Um, so I kind of wanted it to like to like it more than I did, but obviously I'm a white male that wrote a review on this, so like, I don't think opinions become invalid if a film isn't made for them as such. I think whether you want to pay attention to those opinions is up to you. But I don't think made for who? So, if this film isn't made for white males, for example. Right, okay. Yeah. Um, although it's a Disney film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, so it's made for everyone because they want everyone watching it because they want to make a billion dollars. Mm, a billion, um, billion. Yeah. That's so, their aim. Yeah, so they don't, want it to, they don't want to alienate a large chunk of their audience by making it too geared in one direction by this is the audience we want to attract for this because they want to attract all the audience. You know, the, a range of ages, a range of mm-hmm. cultures, a range of races, like a range of everybody. Just mm-hmm. ev- basically, if they can appeal to Just every world. single person. Yeah. If they can appeal to every single person, then they will. Um, so, there are some films that are arguably not made for me. Uh, the one that Brie Larson talks about is A Wrinkle in Time, which I actually quite liked. That was alright. Um, it was clearly not for me in the sense that it's quite. You know, it's it's quite surface level. It's it's clearly made for kids and stuff. But uh, I thought it was fine for what it was. Is that the one that's got Oprah in it? It is. Yeah, she's oh, I like haven't some seen it. Grand Sage Wizard type character. Oh, because who's the other one? There's who's the third one? There's Mindy Kaling. Oh, that's it. Cause I love her, Mindy Kaling. Yeah, Kira Knightley's in it. And I forget who else. <laughs> but um, yeah. So I think. In terms of the, in terms of whether the opinions are valid or not, I think they still are, because if you watch something, you're entitled to an opinion on it, because you'll naturally form one, whether you like it, whether you love it, whether you don't have much of an opinion at all, you'll you'll form something, but it is up to you whether you listen to those opinions. You don't have to. Freedom of speech isn't right. Freedom to be heard. So, um, that's yeah, my take I'm on like, it. I was far more on board with Brie Larson's Captain Marvel after she said that. Because there's a, that's like the huge, huge problem. Like it happened with Jodie Whittaker as the new Doctor, then we had the remake, people wanted to remake The Last Jedi, and the, um, the girl who played Rose in The Last Jedi getting bullied off Instagram and all these sort of stories. It's just constant, constant, sensitive, sad internet nerds. There's billions of them, and they won't ever shut up about anything. And when she was like, they were already giving the film negative reviews before it come out on Rotten Tomatoes and stuff. It's just a constant frustration that there's always just sort of sad loners and sad losers and 
just people. Well, people like with, uh, gatekeeping, isn't it? Where they, they start, are... they don't want other people to enjoy films. They don't want this new thing to happen because it's you know breaks with their traditionalism and stuff. So when she was sort of saying, "Hey, everybody, just shut up. No one cares. No one cares what you think. It's just just a film." Like. You don't, think she was I, directing at those guys? I think so. I hope so because that's how like when that sort of happened, I read about. It, I was like, okay, I'm now now I'm far more on board because it's a constant sort of thing, especially because like we are nerds and stuff, and it's like it sort of hangs around like a horrible smoke. There's always this, no matter like whenever anything sort of relatively new or interesting happens, there's always these like waves of anonymous internet monsters who just say that they're just unpleasant and mean and they mm. just don't like anything. They don't want films to be new but they don't want films to be the same. And it's just this weird you get these films like like solo and stuff where it's like we don't want to we can't push any boundaries because we have to entertain these just big man babies. Mm. But then we, well, <laughs> and it's like yeah, I know it's like yeah, she's thinking, but I was kind of like someone just tells to shut up because they're ruining everything. Um, so, so when it said that like oh yeah, Captain Marvel tells all the nerds on the internet to shut up, I'm like great, perfect. <laughs> That's like the most Captain Marvel thing I can imagine <laughs> happening. Okay, I can understand now more why you've enjoyed it as much. I think <laughs> I've just been so unaware of this. Like I just went saw the movie. Had no idea of any of like the background crap, and you shouldn't really need to have that awareness of background um, stuff, yeah. to, you know, because the film should essentially speak for itself. Um, and I don't think that I mean, it doesn't hamper my enjoyment of the film in any way, it was just something I was aware of. Mm. Um, and I think that, yeah, I mean, I think that just what I said, I think that everyone's entitled <laughs> to an opinion. But whether you mm-hmm. want to engage with that opinion is up to you. And I think I completely agree that people just go over the top and it's like, you know, it's the William Shatner's famous get a life speech. It's the, you know, find something else to like focus your energy on. I mean, if you focused your energy on curing cancer, you know, um, we wouldn't have any problems in the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, no, they decide to focus on let's downvote a film on Rotten Tomatoes that we haven't even seen yet. It's like, um, like, so why were they doing that? Because, like, so, I mean, why did people downvote it when they hadn't seen it? I don't why, before a film comes out, Rotten Tomatoes has a kind of want-to-see section. Right, okay. Uh, so what people do is they shove in whether they want to see it or not. So, you know, in an ideal world, you'll watch a trailer for Men in Black International, for example. I don't know why I'm choosing that as an example, but let's go with it. So I watched the trailer for Men in Black International. Wait, wait, wait. Is there a new Men in Black coming out? Yes, there is. Yeah, it looks terrible. <laughs> oh, oh. Um, so you, you watch the trailer for that. All the like, emotions. And then someone tells you, or something inside you says, I love that. I think I can't wait to see this. So you go on Rotten Tomatoes and you say that you want to see it. And you maybe leave a little comment being like, I watched the trailer. It looks dope. I'll watch it. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'll ever use the word dope again. <laughs> It doesn't suit. Uh, I was quite, I was quite enjoying that actually. Yeah, uh, yeah. As a white male critic, I shouldn't say that word. But uh, so what people do is instead of that, they'll just uh, they'll go on about with films like this, and they'll just 
you know, talk smack about it. So they'll say, don't want to see it, and then they'll claim that it's a kind of social justice warrior type issue. Whereas, you know, it's, it's just a waste of time because it's not going to stop people from watching it. And it's just going to annoy people. So, you know, if you have... It also stops people listening to legitimate criticism as well. So if people have legitimate issues with it, like The Last Jedi is immune to criticism because if you criticise it, you'll be you'll be put under the banner of all these whiny man babies that don't like stuff. You know, don't like <laughs> progress and all that kind of stuff. So there are people that have legitimate criticisms of it, mm-hmm. of, of everything. And the fact that people are just getting so uptight about everything else means that you can't get into that intelligent critique um, without suffering from a slew of this garbage that other people are peddling. So... That was a long way around that answer, I think. But hopefully for Susie, we've um, answered that. It sounded like you had, it like you had lots to get off your chest. Indeed, I'm glad that someone asked it. <laughs> a totally real person asked it. Actually, was a real person. No plants in this this part. <laughs> not, not like all the other made-up ones. Hey, Great. There's never any made-up ones. I'll, den- I'll deny this is accusation in a court of law. Yeah. Uh, okay, so. Natalie, I think you had some more comments than questions. What, from... Oh, yeah, from people. Okay, yeah, I had a couple of messages. And, um... Because during the, like, release of the movie, I was seeing a lot of people really responding super positively. I couldn't remember all their names. And they were like, best movie ever, couldn't wait to get back into the cinema to see it again. And... I got really excited to go and see it because I was like, oh wow, it must be amazing. And I think maybe this is where it fell down a little bit because I had a really high expectation for it. But Rory has said that he loved the film. He thought Bill Larson and Samuel L. Jackson were really good, thought the humour was great. Uh, he said that the story didn't take itself too seriously. Um, and he also commented that people have complained it was predictable, but <laughs> almost all of the Marvel movies are. Uh, expectations were set and met, and I still think it's one of the better origin stories I've seen. Uh, and he promises to listen. <laughs> but I thought that was quite interesting because it's kind of like, yeah, he's kind of taken stuff that uh, I viewed as a negative, and he's just been quite positive about it. So uh, another one was uh, Martin says that he loved it and it was way better than he expected. Um, he said he didn't think that there'd be. He wasn't expecting much because he thought so much would be getting put into Endgame and this would be like a starter before the main course. But he said he liked the character development, so it would be Larson was a perfect fit uh, and thought the story was tight and loved the soundtrack. Also Goose, he said, with a little love her. So, yeah, it was positive, but there were a few people who had negative uh, reviews of it that I saw appear in my feed, but they have not messaged me, so... Only the positive that I can talk about. Fair enough. Um, that gives us a, a, a range of stuff. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's get on to the non-question section of our email. Okay. Um, standing agenda points or story and character. I think in most cases, certainly with Marvel films, these are one and the same. So this is a story about Carol Danvers and her becoming all she can be. Um... I think her arc was somewhat predictable, as in it was pretty obvious from early on, you're on the wrong side of a war. 
I didn't know that. No? No. Well, I mean, like, I got there, but I was like, oh, they're bad. Yeah. Well, I think part of that, I suppose that comes back to Angus's homework question. Uh, I've always known the Kree as more villainous, certainly in the, the actual Marvel Cinematic Universe anyway. But, um... So, uh, I was already suspicious of the fact that, you know, she was kind of working for the wrong side. But it's also the... It became pretty evident pretty quickly they weren't really doing anything with the Skrulls as villains. So... And there was only a few of them. So, they, they were kind of doing a riff on current refugee stories. Yeah. yeah. These people are being hunted by a much more... Much more advanced force that just seemed to hate them for reasons. Um... And it was pretty clear from early on, Carol has no memory, so she's therefore being duped by most likely the people she's working with. You get that early scene where they're parading through her memories and it's pretty clear that the Skrulls aren't uh, malevolent in any way. So I thought it was predictable in that sense, but I didn't hold that against the film that it was necessarily all that, that, that it was a predictable outcome. I think the the fact is that that Carol was so deep into this situation that she didn't question what she was doing. Uh, and there was that great line from Talos towards the towards the end where he said his his hands were filthy with war as well. So there yeah. was that kind of yeah, don't apologize for what you did. We both we've both gotten you know, we've we've both done terrible things. Yeah. It's war and that's what happens. But the important thing is that she was trying to do the right thing now. So it was her kind of understanding what the right thing is and what our place in the universe is. And I think that worked fairly well as an arc and resolved itself nicely. So, yeah, it's your standard hero's journey. I mean, it's a story about a superhero. Of course she has a hero's journey. Mm. It's a much better... Um, Carl Danvers' origin. Like, they've changed the origin, haven't they? Like, originally... She was just sort of given her powers by uh, a Kree guy called Marvel, and there was a a big gadget called the Psychomagnetron, and it blew up. It blew up, and then she gave he gave her powers to save her and something. And then recently again, they changed it so that her mum was secretly Kree, and that she had like sleeper Kree cells. And then nobody really liked that either. So I think like. <laughs> This is this so is like this is definitely an example of like this is the best origin. Like if you so just sort of How old is Captain like how old is the superhero Captain Marvel? Like when was she first written? Well, Carol Danvers has been around since I want to say the seventies. Um she was Ms. Marvel to begin with. Yeah. I only know the the Captain Marvel stuff. And then you get like some background stuff from like from like the stories but I might mention like stuff like the Psychomagnetron and like these old sort of oh, stories yeah so she's always been like a RAF pilot okay she's had other jobs but like I think she worked in a magazine or something but all superheroes are also journalists so the first appearance of Carol Danvers was in 1968 okay. but her first appearance as Ms. Marvel was in 1977 um so she's gone through a few iterations identity-wise over the years. Um, she was Ms. Marvel, she was Binary, she was Warbird, and eventually Captain Marvel. Uh, and that's... Uh, she didn't. She became Captain Marvel in 1998, by the way, Isaac. So, um, How was it? There you go. 
Uh, maybe she didn't. It must be like a reboot then, because when I started on these, like, Mother of Lucy's books, it's called The Mighty Captain Marvel, and, like, uh-huh. in that one she takes, up the, she takes up the name. But I suppose it's just a reboot. And then... I suppose because the comics always have these, like, universal collapse, universe-collapsing events, and then eventually everything kind of, like, backfires, and you have to clean up and, like, sort of, if things get too complicated, they'll have a secret wars or a civil war or something. Oh, yeah, there's, I mean, there's... Yeah, so I think, I think the ones standards. I started on, it must, have been, it must have been after a thing. And they've gone, right, let's just start again, and we'll just give it this. So the ones I started on, I think it's, I think it's 2014? I know this, I know they said that the, the film's based on those ones. Mm-hmm. So that, that, like the the more current, she just gets the name Captain Marvel from something. She just has it. <laughs> so yeah, it's absolutely fine. These casual retcons. I mean, you had this this notion of Ben Grimm being a World War Two pilot, and then eventually you get to the point where, hang on, it's actually 2015. He can't have been a World War Two pilot because it's 2015, and uh, he hasn't aged. Um, so they just the the world keeps moving on, but that's a different conversation. Um, yeah, so to answer your question, Natalie, she mm-hmm. Carol Danvers has been a fixture in the comics for quite a long time, but the Captain Marvel identity for her is fairly recent. She's always okay. had the same powers. Um, She's always had the same powers, okay. Yeah, yeah. and you know how Rogue, uh, and the X-Men character Rogue, mm-hmm. can fly and is super strong and, in, and almost invulnerable? Sure. Yeah, well, she gets her powers by absorbing Ms. Marvel's. Uh, and then Carol Danvers has been yeah. for like, a long time. Um, so they okay. could do that? I don't know. Maybe they won't. But uh, yeah, so she's been around for a long time, but the Captain Marvel thing is, is different. So they've essentially made up their own origin story for this, as you said, Isaac. So it's, it's basically, well, in terms of her getting her powers, it's basically something blows up in her face and she gets powers, which is a fairly mm-hmm. Marvel thing. You know, let's let's not worry about the science of this. Let's just it's, have some experimental thing blow up in someone's face. It's totally Alex Mack. Yeah, and her superpowers. You know, how does Peter Parker stick to walls? Bitten by a radioactive spider. Let's move on. Let's tell another but, story. Well, actually, yeah. that does make sense because he's got little grips on his little hairs that um, stick to the wall. But did you did you guys ever watch Alex Mack? No. Oh. She gets hit by, like, radioactive goo and then she becomes, like, magic. That's like late nineties Nickelodeon for you. <laughs> so, so we do a reboot now then. Let's hope. Yeah. Okay. So, so Isaac, what did you think of our development then, from sort of ignorance to knowledge? I guess. There's your tagline for the poster: "From ignorance to knowledge." It was fun because, like, we knew kind of from trailers and stuff that we would get to watch it just clear house like just smash up everything we didn't know which the context of was like there's a bit in the the trailer where she's just like flying around zapping stuff like we obviously like I was I was yeah I was thinking like it was probably going to be like I I didn't see the the scroll just being refugees thing coming I knew there'd be like a twist with they're not saying the Jude Law's character's name so obviously he has He's going to have a reveal of, like, oh, he's this character later on, there's going to be a baddie sort of thing. But, like, it's fun watching a origin story in reverse where 
she's already got the powers, but then it's her remembering how she got the origin. So it's like mm. you fight, you meet her first, and then you find out the origin later. Yeah. And then like all the nice, there was like, it was fun. Like also because she's from a world where like flying in space and stuff is normal. So it's nice when she goes to Earth. She's just like, oh, that guy looks like. He he looks like you know he's going into the policeman. He's like, I'll go ask him for about you know communications. And it's not like she's like a fish out of water. She's just like, okay, here's a planet. Let's just I don't I only have like my own gear on me. I'll just work with what I have. So it's kind of fun initially watching her just like ingratiate herself with like, oh yeah, here comes Shield. These must be like you know a, a, one of the more like higher up levels of power. So I'll work with these guys. These guys seem capable enough, especially this one guy, like, his Agent Fury. He's like, okay, this guy kind of gets it, so we can work with him. It's, I, was, I was looking forward to, like, she's going to become Captain Marvel in a bit. She's going to get her, you know, she get the red and blue colours, and she's going to go fly around and shoot everything. So I was like, the whole thing be kind of just waiting, like, it's going to be the big hero moment where it all kicks off, and you get to see her just, just, just tear through everybody, and it's going to be great. So it was kind of fun. Like, I just kind of like watching her in general. Like, she was fun just throughout. I didn't quite mm. like that she was kind of... Like, you had the super serious Kree, and then she was just like... Like, kind of not... Not too much of, like, a dickhead, but I can't think of like, you know, the class dickhead. Like, oh, she's just having a bit of a laugh and not taking anything seriously. What's, like, a... What's a, a broadcast term that we could use? It's too late, you've already said it. I'm going to say that bit again. Just go with it. Yeah. To be fair... No, it's fine, that, that's allowed on pre-warshed. Mate, I've like... Oh, good. And you're allowed like one fuck... As well, because like... Have you seen some 12 A's lately? Like, oh my god. We're not, we're big nerds. We're never going to get that one fuck. <laughs> Especially when I cut this part out. Yeah. No, seriously, too, like too guys... Late. Did you guys not go see, like, Alita? Because, like, whoa. Yeah, I liked that Alita. Was, that, well, me too, but that was a 12A, and I remember being like, if I saw this when I was, like, young, like, I, I it shocked me, and I'm a grown-up. <laughs> <laughs> I would debate that, but let's move on. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the reverse origin story thing is, is interesting. It's a bit like Man of Steel in the way it's structured in that sense. You know, you, she comes to Earth, she already kind of... Well, she doesn't have all of her powers, or doesn't have control of her powers, um, and she's kind of cutting about doing stuff while there's occasionally a flashback. Um, I don't think they did enough with the background, so, like, I would have quite liked to see a bit more of her, her backstory, other than the brief flashes that we get. Um, yeah, there is a bit... It's at the end when, like, yon like... It's like, it's all the shots of her, like, oh, she crushes a go-kart, cart, and then she... Oh, yeah, yeah, getting back up. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, but it's like that wasn't really an earlier, so it's just out of nowhere. Like, I guess it was in, and they cut it. No, they made it. more of that stuff, so it was like, you know, there's a bit at the beginning where it's like the schools are going through the memories that she hasn't accessed, like she has been locked mm-hmm. away from her. But that bit felt like that was that one that was built up from something that I guess wasn't in the film enough. Like, there should have been more bits where it's like, yeah, you know, she meets, yeah. Uh, her friend was it Maria, and then like be like, oh yeah, we were on the same, 
you know, Air Force training group together and then this happened and this happened or whatever. Yeah. Everything was too brief though. That's the thing, like they tried to cram so much in and yeah. and it was like they were trying to emote like too hard and I was like, Well I'm just not in it. Like I just I'm just not in that zone because you've tried too hard. Amusingly the uh, the getting back up montage is almost exactly the same as a similar montage in the final episode of Buffy. Uh, spoilers for the Buffy season finale. It was on, like, a number of years ago. So, uh, Mate, I've not seen it. Damn. Well, <laughs> in that episode, there is a moment where um, Buffy and her gang manage to um, unlock the Slayer powers in anyone who has the potential to be a Slayer. So you have this oh, wow. montage of all these, like, all these girls having, like, these powerful moments, you know, where they suddenly find themselves to some degree. So, in the, Does it have in the, to be a girl? Well, a slayer is always a girl. Yeah. Why? Because the mythology of the show says so. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, and even the... Because there's the bit with the baseball bat, and that is, like, almost shot for shot on that part in Buffy. I don't know if that inspired it. Maybe it did. Um, although I think, you know, using Buffy as your inspiration for a kind of female-led empowerment story isn't a bad thing. Considering the influence that show had over the years, well, I suppose it's like a. Well, it's not. Well, the finale wasn't in the nineties, but it's kind of like. It's an era reference, isn't it, Buffy? Yeah. That was that time. I mean, it's really like a really it's a great scene, like watching like the thing where it's like, oh yeah, she keeps getting back up. That's very mm-hmm. much like what I like about that particular character. Like it's a sort of stubbornness and headstrongness of like, just keep high, like just keep whacking at it, like yeah. yeah. So it's, it got that part through well, but yeah, it's one of those bits where it's like, that could have done with more... It could have done with more of the human side of her. Yeah, yeah like, like I feel... I feel like you're saying that they did well with that, but I feel like that's a bit that they didn't do well because they didn't spend enough time on it. And it's just, by the time it came to that scene, I was like, oh, I get what they're trying to do, but I just don't really, like, okay, yeah... You're you're showing that, but I I don't care. Yeah, there was all sorts of little bits like that that was supposed to be really impactful. The bit where she tells John Rog, "I've got nothing to prove to you," mm. um, so I could see again, I could see what they were going for, but it didn't feel impactful because <laughs> his approval never really meant anything to her anyway. Well, yeah, yeah. it did because she fights him a lot at the start. That's actually I have to disagree with you on that part because that's the one part that I was like I I actually quite liked she fights him but she's been a smart ass about it so she never she doesn't seem to be looking for him to tell her how good she is uh, at that point you know and I Mm, I get get the impression they wanted that to be the relationship there's also the fact that they're supposed to be friends essentially and you can sort of tell that because they have some pretty natural banter you know when they're on the train she's Mm. you know she's like making fun of him and and trying to get under his skin and whatever else. And then the f- when she finds out that he's been lying to her for, like, six years, there's no reaction. She doesn't seem that bothered by it. No, she's got other things to worry about. Yeah, but, but, um, but it, the thing is, since the, I mean, that theory should have been kind of a core relationship that broke down because she suddenly realises that everyone she thought was her, were her people had been lying yeah. to her for so long and... There's no real reaction to it. She's just like, yeah, all right, I'll just fight them now. Cool. Well, is it because she's just happy to have found like her way back to Earth? Like, is it just because of that or what? You think there would be some form of I'm so portrayed right now, 
kind of reaction to it though I think she's just happy that she's been able to unlock like part of who she is because that's kind of what she's always been quite like determined to do and maybe she's just maybe it just like balances it you know she's like eh, I'd be pissed off but I just reunited with my best pal and my goddaughter or whatever the stuff with Maria was was great I think um, they really sold their friendship quite nicely and the, the two actors did a really good job kind of bouncing off one another I really love the rewrite of Marvel. So, like, yes. originally Marvel is this soldier. I think it's like. It's, yeah, it's it's I don't know much about like his originally, but I think Marvel was like this Cree soldier who came to Earth as a. As an, was he an antagonist originally? Comic uh, Marvel. I forget. I, I know he was definitely a hero. There was one point where he was tethered to a human guy called Rick Jones. He used to hang around with. Yeah. Him. And uh, they wore these like gauntlets. One of them was stuck in the negative zone, which is just a, a weird negative universe. Um, and basically, whenever they they clinked the the gauntlets together, they would swap places. <laughs> so yeah, that was Captain Marvel for a while. Yeah, I like. I really like the like this current this new Marvel is a scientist. It's kind of like she works. She's like, well, this is very. Anti- she's very. Anti- she becomes anti-war when she sort of realizes that like the Kree are no better than like the scrolls that they've been fighting, and ultimately, like it's just, it's a war that should not happen. So she, they have this the Tesseract and whatever. This can't be got really to any side because it's just gonna make war far worse if if either get this power. And it's just not like because the Kree are hunting us. It's like the Kree are the primary threat. And it's great, like because it's. Like in this version, Cal Danvers like she sees this guy, Jude Law's walking up, or whatever. And she's like, "What?" Well, my my immediate thought is, I've got to just like I assume she assumes that shooting the the engine will just take them both out. Like it's not an act of self-preservation. It's kind of like her origin is sort of an act of an attempt to stop a war or at least get a. Mm. She doesn't understand it because she's just been flying around this person that she assumed was human, and then it's like. Oh, this, this is a much bigger thing, but like she can't really comprehend. Now you won't be able to comprehend. It's like, oh yeah, I'm an alien. This is an alien war. And this is alien tech. And she's like, I'll just shoot it because it, it was obviously going to blow up. Maybe it'll make a big enough explosion. It'll take both of us out. Like, it's her sort of initial sacrifice before she gets you know, Captain Marvel powers is one of trying to end the war, which is far more like. A positive thing than like the original one where it's like this Kree soldier's turned up and sometimes he's okay. Yeah, and there's there's also a bit of there's that kind of unconditional trust, so she has no reason to doubt anything that uh, I forget the actual human identity character's name, but the the Annette. Bit oh, it's Doctor Wendy something, isn't it? Yeah, uh, whoever. It is. Has an L in it. Oh, it's Law- Wendy Lawson. Lawson, that's... Because I thought he said Lawson. I was watching it, it's like, Dr. Lawson, like, are you going to meet Brie Lawson? <laughs> like, actor yeah. Brie Lawson in this. It's going to be some really meta or something. <laughs> yeah, so there's... Um, so it's that, I trust this person. Uh, she clearly doesn't want to... You know, she's quite pacifistic, so if people are shooting at her, they're clearly the bad guys. So yeah, I'm going to make sure this doesn't end up in the wrong hands. Boom. Expects to die, but gets superpowers. Um, simple as that. Yeah, and it is a kind of noble act, and um, and I wish again, I wish there was more of that. I would have liked to see more of her kind of relationship with 
Lawson, aka Marvel, um, through flashbacks, through memory dumps, whatever. Um, I would have liked to see more of that because it was it was good for what we saw, and I think it would have added extra punch to her interactions with the the supreme intelligence as well. You know, especially when she remembers everything and realizes the supreme intelligence is not her. Uh, it doesn't have my best interests at heart. It's trying to corrupt me, all that stuff. So, she spends a good chunk of the film with uh, her old friend, Nick Fury, who is rendered excellently with top-of-the-range de-aging tech. Guys, I have to say, that creeps me out so much. I thought it was pretty flawless. I couldn't tell. Yeah, but it creeps me out because I'm like, if you're Samuel Jackson... I don't know, like, it just makes me so sad. Like, you Why, know... because he's young? Because he's... Because he's not, though, like... It's like... It's like... It's all just fake life. When did the end? I was, like, leaving there going, there's going to be one day where we've got glasses where everyone will just wear, like... Or it'll be a chip in your head and it'll just mean that you forever see people, like, an age that you want to see them as. I don't know. It's just wacky. Yeah, I think the I think the tech has certainly come on, and I think they did a really good job because they've, you know, you've always had scenes here and there where actors have been de-aged in Ant Man, for example, or Ant Man and the Wasp, uh, but you've never really had as much as this. And yeah, I just couldn't tell. I was so impressed by it. Uh, there were some points where Coulson looked a bit shiny, but he wasn't in it that much. So, um, also Clark Gregg has not aged. Since the nineties, anyway, he's uh he's just lost a bit of hair, but he's still like. Who's Clark Greg? Coulson. Oh, oops. He's one of those guys who's always been middle aged. Like Steve <laughs> Martin or Bruce Willis. Yeah, yeah, they were never young. Um, or never looked young anyway. So, but Nick Fury, uh, he had he's a bit more aloof than we. Are used to. He's you know, a bit more happy-go-lucky, uh, a bit more quippy, a bit more, just a bit more of a fun guy to be around. I did um, like his character. Yeah, well, that was one of Angus's questions. Uh, was about what do we make of Young Fury? Do we buy his younger, happier persona? Yeah, I do. The character he'll eventually become. Um, yeah, I, I, I totally see the older Nick Fury in him. I think that the cynicism hasn't set in yet because he hasn't seen all the crazy stuff that he sees over the the years when he becomes director and stuff. So he, he's kind of, um, he's living in blissful ignorance at the moment because he doesn't know what's out there and what's resulting from uh, all the stuff he's going to discover. So, yeah, he's just kind of enjoying being an agent, cutting about, doing stuff. Um, and I think he does a, have a good back and forth with Brie Larson. They've worked together before on a film that you wouldn't have seen, probably. Um, mm, definitely unicorn, not Unicorn Store um, I think it's coming to Netflix in April so maybe check it out um, okay. it's pretty good but anyway um, I, li- I like the young Nick Fury because it, it was good to see the kind of the early years you know here's here's him when he had a day job here's him when he had less responsibility here's him as he was just kind of finding his feet um, and some of the details like you can't eat toast if you cut it diagonally yeah, that was kind of cute. I like that. Yeah. 
Uh, plus, he still had that kind of badass edge. There were some of these kind of side eye glances he was giving people, as he said. It's because it's Samuel Jackson. It's nothing yeah. to do with whatever character he's portraying. It's because it's who he is. But he's also kind of playing the kind of character he would play in the nineties. You know, the the Die Hard Three version of Samuel Jackson, the sort of pulp fictiony version of Samuel Jackson. Um, so that they've kind of regressed him in that sense as well. Yeah. Which makes it, makes it all easier to buy. I have a question. Okay. Do you think that the scene where she falls into the video store is like a nod to Last Action Hero? Uh, I don't know. Probably not. Because you know like when they go to like a video store in Last Action Hero and then uh, Schwarzenegger sees that Sylvester Stallone is playing like his alternate cardboard cutout Terminator role, and then mm-hmm. she like sees someone I don't know as a cardboard cutout. I don't know, just made me think of Last Action Hero. Oh, when she shoots it in the head. Yeah. Or when she blasts it. Yeah, she goes straight for Arnie. Yeah, she does something, and yeah, because it's, it's Arnie, isn't it? Like I was trying to remember why I thought about it. It was two yeah. eyes that you shot the head off. Yeah, I just wondered if it was a nod to Arnold Schwarzenegger getting a little cardboard cutout mention in a superhero movie because he never got to be the Terminator one because it was still on hmm. I don't know could be I think the just blockbuster thing it's just so quintessentially 90s that mate I want this to be like an easter egg <laughs> well there's no reason you can't think that <laughs> thanks <laughs> uh, so Isaac what did you think of Young Fury I like new. I like Young Fury. I think because not that I don't. It's not that I don't like Old Fury, but he's he's mostly just exposition, really. He's just explaining. He's just like he's there to initially. He's just there to get the Avengers together. That's kind of his role. And then after that, most of the time he's just sort of giving people missions. He's one of those characters like I've never really been that bothered about him because he's not. Like, occasionally he'll have a cool scene, like in whichever Captain America is where he has a minigun in his car. Winter Soldier? Yeah. Yeah, but there's lots of times where it's just like, he's just setting up the story. It's like, okay, we need to get this team of superheroes together and we'll call them the Avengers. And then, so he's like, okay, we got to, you guys have to work together to fight the monsters or whatever. He's just, that's his thing, is just the, he's just giving them the mission. So it's nice to see him actually have more character, I think, than what we what what a stand, standard Fury has. He's you know he's not playing all his cards close to his chest. He's not just there to kind of just stoically tell people what to do. Mm. He's just he's just on the beat. It's a very weird day. Yeah. He's just kind of <laughs> kind of just rolling with it. It's like all right, then let's just like I was. He must have seen. I don't know if it's in some weird stuff, but like Shield will work in the realm of. Well, he must be aware of like. Especially if it was like the the first Avenger, like the Captain America movie. He must be like, oh yeah, in the war there was some weird stuff going on. This guy, yeah, they'd be, they'd be aware of um, Captain America. Yeah, so it's like. Yeah. So yeah, why well, is like I'm aware of like we're set up kind of to deal with like. 
extraordinary stuff. It's like he'd never actually experienced it, and this is him. Like, okay, right, this is our first, it's his first one. He's like, right, got a superhero, got to sort of roll the punches and follow her around and just try, try and live, I guess, and keep. Yeah. And Ant-Man's S.H.I.E.L.D. career would have been prior to this as well. I think yeah. what's really clever about this, actually, is that in some of the movies, like, Nick Fury is a bit of a dick. Like, you don't really know what his motives are. You don't really know where uh, his, like, allegiance lies because of the whole Tesseract and weapons and all this kind of stuff. But I feel like what they've done... Yeah, Yeah, and I feel like what they've done with, like, this one, though, is try to make it a bit more, like, oh, that's maybe why he did certain things or, you know, try and make it a bit more understanding because I think he does come across as a bit of an arse well, he, for... is un- he is unburdened uh, by by what he comes to know certainly in this film I think that yeah he hasn't encountered anything that's too weird yet and there's a bit of a retcon here because the Avengers implies that the first time he'd ever heard of aliens was in Thor you know it was the events of Thor but um Obviously, he's encountered them in this film, so... Mm-hmm. But, well, she's uh, not technically an alien, but, yeah, the other aliens... Well, the, the Skrull are, you know? Yeah. Like, with, <laughs> with their green faces and pointy ears, they're definitely yeah. aliens. So, um, but I, I can you can kind of wipe away any inconsistency with Fury lies, because that's what he does. Yeah, he's a professional liar, and I think later on he'll probably get a bit too caught up in his own brand of secrecy that he just won't be able to... You know, see past that anymore. He just sees threats everywhere, and he can't, he yeah. can't deal with it. And then, this is a version of him with less responsibility, who's quite happy to just do the job. You know, and then yeah. he hasn't been given the responsibility yet. Uh, but you can sort of see that he has that potential. Well, yes, he has because of Goose having the tesseract and stuff. Yeah, but he's not the director of Shield at this point. He's just a kind of high-level agent. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, so I think a lot of that has to do with he will eventually just know too much, and it'll turn him into this paranoid, uh, the world's out to destroy me sort of guy. Well, it is though. So. Well, yeah. I mean, everybody's no wrong. Kill him later on. Yeah. Uh, that's why he goes into hiding and dresses like a homeless man. Wait, what? When he's killed in inverted commas in the Winter Soldier. At the end of that film, he dresses like a homeless man and wanders off. Oh, I've definitely not paid attention. <laughs> um, but I liked his dynamic with um, with Carol. I thought, as I said, I thought they bounced off each other pretty well. Um, I really loved the, the kind of old school spy stuff. You know, the the fingerprint on the uh, the cellotape mm, was really good. Yeah. I like I like that kind of stuff. Just uh, spies just doing spy stuff. Um, and I would. I would love to watch a kind of Nick Fury solo film where it's just him not doing comic book stuff, just doing spy stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's right. He definitely becomes more of a... Like, I found him at times like, yeah, more interesting wanting to know what was going on with him. Yeah. Um, touched mm-hmm. on her friendship with um, Maria. Mm-hmm. That was really good. But I actually thought her friendship with Monica was better. Uh, I thought that that dynamic just works so much better. Who's Monica? 
the, the, the kid. Alright. Yeah. I don't know, there was just, um, it brought out a kind of lighter side to her. Well, I think that the kids, though, are total ploy, though, because it's totally, because the movie, I think, is really successful in that it's really inspiring young girls to think that they can be anything yeah. uh, and to do anything that they want, which I think is why I can't be too mean and critical about the movie as maybe I'd want to be, because I feel like the audience that it's aimed at is definitely young girls. Um, and I can see that there's friends of mine who posted up on Facebook, you know, things that their daughters have said when they've gone to the movie, like one of my friends from dance class, she's got a little girl and they went to go see Captain Marvel together and her daughter was just like, oh I didn't know that girls could be captains, you know, like just really resonating with them because they're like, all right, cool, I can be whatever I want. So, yeah. you know, I feel like that was, that is there, that interaction with that little girl so that every little girl can think that could be me and I could be inspired to do anything that I want. And the Monica Rambeau character was a version of Captain Marvel in the comics as well. Oh. Um, so she, she's clearly that age up. so that she can be possibly reintroduced in a later film as an adult. Okay. That would make sense, when, I guess. When, like, the, the comic run thingy one, that this, like, thingy, she has got... I can't remember... She calls the kid is left the Lieutenant Trouble. Yeah. Which is I think the same name she uses in this. And it's kind of one of the characters in the new box. It's like she's only like six or so in, you know, present day twenty fifteen, you know, New York or whatever. So and then that's one of the things it's one of the best, like, the more grounded elements is that there's this kid who like hero worships her. And then she'll have to sort of it's kind of like a human element. Like it's one of the things we always add, you know, to add the human element. She was just like, there's a bit where there's a story in these where it's yeah, again, it's Yonrog, and he he messes with her head, and like I can't remember, I'm not read it in ages. I was, I was meaning to read it before the thing, but there's a story where like he messes with her head, and then uh, well, I can't remember the kids' name. But I'm not really stories in ages. Uh, but Lef- Lieutenant Trouble, let's call it Trouble. Yeah. Uh, she like starts writing out like these comics. It's like, oh, this is what Cap- this is who Captain Marvel is, and they kind of have like things that are just like, all right, you tell me who like you're my biggest fan. You tell me who I am, sort of things. I don't know if it's like I know they are using they were using these sort of storylines, but there's a thing where yeah, I'm like, it's something like if she the more she like uses her powers, like it's in her head and it's sort of like destroying her from the inside. It's like a Cree. Super weapon, probably. Catherine Renner, the character's name is in the comic. Yeah. yeah, she's she looks like a young Carol Danvers. In, in oh yeah, because it's chaotical. Yeah, it's, it's cat, and then she's called the trouble. Yeah, and it's like there's a one of the stories is sort of told for her thing is like this is a story of like who like asked like Captain Marvel sort of needs. He, it's again the same with Spider Man in. Tamuguai ones where it's like the people of New York always have to like New York story so people in New York have to help their heroes sort of thing she tends to rely a lot on like I think it's probably with her headstrong like she's good at punching that's like her thing Uh, she always sort of thinks like she's friends with like Jessica Jones 
I think it's Spider Woman. Suggest mm-hmm. something. Jessica Drew. Yeah. Uh, Maria Hill and stuff. She always tends to rely on these other people because she's terrible at diplomacy and she's terrible at like planning and stuff. She has to sort of like she's like I'm really good at just flying really fast and punching really hard but like I kind of rely on all the other Avengers to, to you know I need, I need the strategists and the the planner she's more of just a heavy hitter so I think maybe she'll work like well, we'll find out in Avengers but I think she's one of these characters that will work better as a as muscle like with a team because that's where she excels she's just like they said she's indestructible you send her out first she's like oh sorry I got this was it you know this army's come in I'll keep these busy but it tends to be whenever she's by herself like she's too headstrong to really think of like a rational plan she's just like rush him it's similar with like Doctor Strange I don't know if it's because we've only had it's hard to base because we've only had one film with him as a solo character but he's much better with other characters it works better when he's not the focus he's just sort of like the magic guy and he just like you know like the bit in Infinity War we have that that magic battle with Thanos yeah and I think there's certain characters that work especially in the film like I said it's good to have origins it's good to have films where it is just them but I think like say for a Captain Marvel 2 I'd love to if she went let's team up with the Guardians or if we're doing Cosmic give her the Cosmic one to team up with because she tends to work better as the big hitter, but you know diplomacy stresses her out, and she just like doesn't have. She's like I don't have time for people monologuing and intricate planning and stuff. It's like just she just like just likes punching and flying. It's like yeah, higher, further, faster is just about going further and just. Like pushing further and more. I thought I was going. I was like, yeah. Basically, her she's a character that tends to work. It works better with others as a team thing. So I think if they were doing another, well, I presume they will do a Captain Marvel too. We're gonna like she could be kind of a mentor to this video of Miss Marvel, but also she she's at her best when she has her strengths. She has her thing, and that's what you use it for. She's the she's the Hulk basically. Like. You know, you've got Doctor Strange and Iron Man to think. You've got all these genius characters. But then some characters are just in it for the fighting. And she's definitely an in it for the fighting character. So I wonder if, um, obviously, Monica will age um, because she's getting brought in at the present day now. So I think, from what you're saying there, it sounds like they could just come up with some kind of Captain Marvel team so they give her powers and turn her into the, like the photon... Or whatever one of our yeah, because you have a visit use. Uh, like Alpha Flight and stuff. Yeah, there's another one as well. The the scroll who's playing on the pinball machine. Mm-hmm. There's a story where there's a scroll leader called Bean who kind of takes it on like not the name of Captain Marvel, but as a sort of scroll, she takes on that like that like hell like pushing further other sort of characters. So I don't know if that's something they could have that character on the team as well because it's good to have like essentially it's a, a you know schools could be anyone. Yeah. It's the perfect scout. So yeah I think 
yeah, if you think, I think if, if you're going further with this character, she works better as a unit as opposed to like when she's by herself. It tends that's when she's weakest when she's in charge. Yeah, and she yeah like she's she's you know she's at a full force. Like she's she's powerful when she is part of a team where it's like yeah you got the you know you got the tech guy and you got the thingy guy. Hmm. So speaking of the scrolls. Uh, what did we think of the scrolls? Um, Talos was our main one, Ben Mendelsohn. Uh, I thought he was great. That he was really funny. Like that he was Australian again, or again, or gets to be Australian for like the first time ever um, in a mainstream, high budget film. And I think they did his character really well. I liked that he was. He didn't care about the Tesseract. He just wanted to get back to his family that were kind of hiding on the space station for like six years. Um, he was good. It's really nice seeing Ben Mendelsohn in a film I like. Without like him as a villain. Yeah, because I think the only two films I can think of him are Rogue One and Ready Player One, which are my two least favourite films ever. <laughs> I'm sure I must have seen him in something else. He's in loads, but... He's alright in Robin Hood. I don't think I've seen Robin Hood. Uh, you have to see Robin Hood. Is... The, new, like the new one, the new Robin yeah. Hood. Yeah. yeah, no, I've not seen that yet. The Taron Egerton one. It's alright. Uh. It's not a popular opinion, but it's all right. <laughs> but it's nice seeing him, like, yeah, it's just fun seeing him as like he starts off as the the, the threat, but then it's like just becomes kind of is you know another comedy character, especially because he's like hopefully most of the schools they just get Australian people to do it if you have more schools in the future because it's it gives them like a really sort of chilled out Australian people always just sound kind of like most of them are chilled out people, but they seem like. They're not, it's not very threatening acting. Mm. It's not one that we have any like preconceived ideas of because it's not really been in our political horizon for being a refugee. Yeah, but you get a bit where it's like the jokes or stuff where he's like talking to his science guy and it's like really basic. It's like, you're supposed to know this and it's sort of like, uh, don't look at me. Like, I like, I like these comedy schools. <laughs> Obviously, like, you can have good guys and bad guys, so we might have schools in the future who are your traditional, devious, secret war scrolls, in the same way that we could have, like, good Kree. But I like that we got comedy scrolls. Yeah. Um, obviously, yeah, there is scope for the, the scroll villains, because they won't all be the same. They won't all have the same values and things like that. Um... And I liked all the kind of little touches they gave you about how the scrolls work. So it was like, can you all shape shift? It's like, well, yeah, physiologically we can, but it takes talent. Uh, and then it's, you know, can you turn into a filing cabinet? It's like, why would I turn into a filing cabinet? How do they even know what a filing cabinet is? Supposing it's like <laughs> Nick Fury's boss for a while. So yeah, you don't know how long is. So there could have been a deleted scene where someone says to him, uh, where he asks for a piece of paper or something. And and the guy's like, that's over there in that filing cabinet. And then he turns around and reala- and thinks, that must be a filing cabinet. Nah. Do it. <laughs> um, no, he just knows. I mean, there is all this kind of, yeah, they, they probably have filing cabinets on the Scroll home world. Yeah, you got to file documents. Yeah, everyone needs to do some filing. Um, it's also, remember they're, they're talking using Universal Translator, so yeah. perhaps... 
perhaps it translates to him into something the, the scroll word for filing cabinet it's not something we're supposed to think too much about uh, it's just a funny joke and, mm -hmm. it, and it also doesn't answer the question we still don't know if scrolls can become filing cabinets yeah. it's funny though because the scrolls actually first appeared in a Fantastic Four comic and at the end of that they were hypnotised into thinking they were cows so to just keep them out of trouble they just like were supposed to live the rest of their lives as cows yeah. which obviously adds a bit of kind of mass transfer turn it into something that's way bigger than them um, than their default shape so they could become a filing cabinet maybe they can only turn into living things though. I have no idea um, I don't know it's a little touch that I quite like just a little bit of explanation it's like yeah we can all transform but we not all of us do um, and I like the this, this sort of reunion he had with his family that was quite touching and his daughter with a pinball machine it's like if I'd been playing the same pinball machine for six years I'd be I'd, be, I'd have some high scores too that was funny. Mm. Uh, yeah, so the scrolls were well used. I liked that there was only a few of them, so you get this kind of... It really dials up the kind of hunted refugee angle. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's um, very political for yeah. for our climate right now and just saying to people, like, people are people. Um, people get really hooked up about, like, other places, but I'm just like, one world, one love. You know, or one universe, one love, or one multiverse, one love. Yeah, people are yeah. people. Doesn't doesn't matter what planet you're on. Yeah. Any other thoughts on the scrolls, Isaac? Um, not really. I think there'll be the scope for more stuff, but also if they didn't, I don't think that would be like. I wouldn't say it'd be a waste, but. It's like yeah, you can you could use more of them in another story or another thing down the line, but it's you know if that's all we get in the scrolls then fine. Like, well, Fantastic Four could fight Super Scroll. That'd be cool. Yeah, uh, yeah, we'll end up seeing that one day probably. Um, yeah. <laughs> On to the the character everyone wants to talk about, the cat or Flerkin Goose. Yeah, yeah, so cute. Um, yeah, good source of comedy. Um, is he called Goose because of Top Gun? Yeah. Yes. Well, cool. Yeah. Uh, her cat in the comics is called Chewy, though, isn't isn't it? Yeah. Well, it's it's more nineties to say Goose. Yeah. Um. Yeah, just a source of comedy throughout. I have really enjoyed seeing how passionate Fury was about how much he loved the cat. That was uh, that was really funny. Um, and then the reveal of. It's alien abilities. It was quite funny as well. Just where it just eats a bunch of Kree. Yeah, it's quite fantastic how it just consumes. It's kind of like a venom, isn't it? Like consuming a whole body and it not changing its size. A little bit, yeah. Um, yeah. So that's it. Goose. What is, what is there to really say about a cat? I mean, yeah, there's not much to say about goose. It's a it's a good joke. It's like I don't think they were gonna use the flirking thing initially because it's an odd joke. But then like, yeah, it's quite a good like flirking ex machina for a bit. 
but really it's, it's just a bit of a joke and then the thing that stood out to me was obviously she remembers Goose from her past which was like six years ago and then he's still cutting about so if he was an earth cat he'd be quite an old earth cat no not if he was really young Cats can live up to like I just saw a picture the other day and it was a cat celebrating its thirtieth birthday. So like yeah, it could have been a kitten and like yeah, and then it'd be six, six or seven, standard middle-aged cat. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, six years for a cat. That's alright. <laughs> um, I did like the whole like keeping the tesseract cube and everything like that though. Like, up at the end. Well, because that made me think of, again, Men in Black. Because you know how they're like Orion's belt the whole time? They're like, Orion's yeah, yeah. belt. And it's actually the cat's collar has like the whole universe in it. Yeah. I was like, whoa. I was like, it's another thing of a cat holding. Orion's belt. Yeah. Yeah. All of that. Yeah. Um, I kind of feel it should have been the power stone that gave Carol her powers, but that's, that's beside the point. Nah, I like the Alex Max story. Well, it was basically the Tesseract, so, yeah, that gave her their, her powers, kind of. Um, yeah, I wonder wonder, wonder why S.H.I.E.L.D. lost sight of it for a few decades. wonder how that happened. Well, I wondered, like, if there was, like, a, a duplicate or something, or that they made, like, a smaller one, or... Nah, there's just the one. Hmm. It ends up in S.H.I.E.L.D.'s hands at the end. Yeah, but, I don't know, there was something about it when... I don't know, there's something about it that would just made me feel like, I don't know, I don't know how it all ties in or fits in and stuff, but... Yeah. I um, we'll find out in like a month and a bit. Nah, we I can't believe it's so soon. I, yeah. I, here's me thinking it's like a whole year away or something, but it's actually so soon. Feels like it's a whole year away. The anticipation yeah. is real. <laughs> I'm wearing my Spanish jumper when I go. <laughs> so just as kind of a last thing no Marvel film was complete without its action I wasn't all that I wasn't all that impressed by most of the action in this film I think my favourite sequence was the train sequence I liked that, that was quite well done mm. um, it's, a standard it's really early on though yeah it's a standard superhero thing to fight on top of a train these days isn't it uh, Speed did it yeah that's the best if you're talking about on train fighting Speed did it first <laughs> well, that wasn't a superhero thing. Anyway, <laughs> what? Keanu Reeves is definitely a superhero. <laughs> the Wolverine had a good uh, train fight sequence. Spider Man 2, of course. Can't have, I don't remember it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Spider Man 2 had one of the better ones. Uh, Age of Ultron had one. Yeah, fighting on trains, that's what superheroes do. That was alright. Um, the. The canyon dogfight thing reminded me a bit of Independence Day. The wet one? The canyon dogfight thing towards the end uh, reminded me a little bit of Independence Day. What was the dogfight? Oh, when it's like the shield prototype versus Yonrog's like little escape pod thing. Yeah, they were flying through a canyon and it was a bit like Independence Day. Oh, yeah. right, okay. Yeah. But other than that, I wasn't that enthusiastic about the action. I would, as I said, I thought there was no real stakes in the, the point where she gets all her powers mm. uh, and flies about and makes a mockery of everything. I mean, I guess it's like quite nice, though, because for her uh, and for Captain Marvel, I guess it's not just about the fight, it's about 
being more than them in like other ways like it's not just about being physically more than them and I know you mentioned it earlier but the bit where she is talking to Jude Law and he's like come on fight me like you know bring it on because of all the other times that we fought and then she's just like no I've got nothing to prove I actually was like yes like go you because we're so used to now always seeing like so many meaningless and menial like fighting action sequences and I like that she just goes nah like I don't need to do that you know and I think like like, that that, Marvel view is that sort of trope where it's like alright it's the you know the the final showdown yeah. hand yeah. just shoots him like yeah. and I was like no yeah. not gonna I don't, I don't have time yeah. for you it just yeah. doesn't matter well, and I really Indiana, liked that it was an Indiana Jones moment I yeah we just really shoot the guy with yeah. the swords thing yeah it's just fun watching it like he thinks that because he still thinks that she has to like prove herself and she's like nah yeah got my yeah. got my superpowers I'm alright don't worry yeah. about it I liked that. I, think, I liked that a lot. That bit. <clears throat> Just like for the wider Marvel, it's like they're they're taking notice that they don't have to go back to like their standard mega fight, you know, finish them showdown. They can just be like, nah, sorry. Right. I mean, you had the aerial battle where there was a lot of destruction. Yeah, that was like the big hero moment where you get yeah. the big reveal. It's her powers, her costume, and she just like mm. let loose. Where she goes mm. super saiyan. Yeah. Yeah, It'll be the same. Is... It's like an end game. Like they'll give Captain America a shield again, and everyone will be like, "Hey, he's got the shield again." It's one of those sort of moments, like where you go, or the Hulk will turn up again. It's like, oh, the Hulk's turned up again. He's like clearing house, or like Thanos turning up in the Wakandan battle, and just like you know, just 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 you knocking everyone back. It's one of those sort of moments where it's just like you know, superhero at the height of their game, just. Yeah wrecking everything it's one of those sort of like kind of fun things so it's definitely a moment where a song choice didn't match the action it's the one mm-hmm. where they pick the song just a girl mm-hmm. and it's like there's like the scene in baby driver where like john ham's shooting and it's like all worked out perfectly whereas that one like it's not it's a good song choice if oh, the action like is, yeah. is timed in yeah but on this one like the song was just a little bit too it's slow for what happening, so it wasn't yeah. the same different tempos. I like that, that they were including really it. I like that they were yeah. including it. Like it's yeah. added afterwards, or it was just there for then. It's like, oh, I'll put this in now. But yeah, yeah, like There's a bit of a M people on the soundtrack. <laughs> um, I have a question, and you guys might know this already, but for me, I'm because I don't have all the background knowledge or whatever that I can wonder about things that uh, maybe I don't need to wonder about, but it's kind of interesting. I'm wondering if Captain Marvel can lift Mjolnir. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so. Probably not. There's no reason to assume that she can. Okay. I was just like, because that could be... I mean, if everyone... can't lift it. She can't lift it. Mate, but Captain America's nothing on Captain Marvel, so... Yeah, but it's not about power. Well, she could, like, lift Thor on her, sh- on her shoulders like a, a child at Disneyland, and then he can wave <laughs> me on there. I mean, that's what like, I mean, they'll have to compromise can, But can can she, though? Well, that's the transitive property, isn't it? Yeah, she could piggyback Thor, and then Thor can... Yeah. Yeah, so and then I she wonder, fly around. I don't know, it was just something that I was thinking about, because like if everyone's... Thing. 
if Hulk punches Thor while he's carrying Mjolnir, then Thor will go flying with Mjolnir. But like, Hulk isn't moving the hammer himself. So yeah, I just because he can't hold it. Yeah, like it's on him. Cannot. But like, so. Oh, I had a, I had a thought. Yeah, no, I don't know because that means then that like, because I know before you were saying well, she's like the most powerful, then all others become like irrelevant almost. Yeah. But, but lifting, lifting Mjolnir has nothing to do with power. Well, it, I'm just saying that's that just still means that Thor's relevant, you know? Yeah, it's to do with whatever nebulous qualities denote worthiness as far as that well, enchantment is concerned. I feel like... I feel like Mjolnir is going to come and play an important role at some point. Despite the fact that it has been destroyed. Oh yeah, what's he got now? A hand. Stormbreaker. A sword. An axe. An axe. Is it an axe? Stormbreaker. What's he got? Yeah, it's an axe. Well... I'm obviously living in another timeline, so it's fine. <laughs> um, yeah, I, d- I don't think that she would be able to. Uh, she's never lifted it in the comics, has she? No, I don't think has so. Has she ever had opportunity to? Yeah, I think everybody's like, think, like to lift it at some point. She's pretty, she just pulled like, don't really need to. No. Like, mm. if you can punch, like, hard enough, then basically you just... Like, if you can punch, like... Not the equivalent of two Mjolnirs, but you can punch someone like, you know, in up or like off their feet. Then that'll do. It's like the Hulk having a Mjolnir. Like he's the Hulk. He doesn't just, just smack him. Do we need it? Yeah, I just wanted to know. I just wanted to know. That is but the question time. people ask. How does? Yeah, yeah. But you don't know what the criteria for worthiness is. You said to me. <gasps> oh, because it's worthiness. She's pretty worthy though. Like. Well. She's pretty. She's true of heart and of mind. As is Captain America, and he couldn't lift it. Yeah, but come on. <laughs> yeah, but come on. Oh, that's the yeah. that's that argument. Okay. Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't oh, know. We might never find out. Um, I was I was expecting in the latest Endgame trailer for her to like reach her hand out and catch Stormbreaker before Thor does, but oh, that'd be so cool. <laughs> I don't think Stormbreaker's enchanted though, so I don't think we have to worry about that. Okay. Yeah. Enchanted. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, it's enchanted. Okay. Yeah, so that was the action. Uh, any final things? Um, I did have ties to the wider MCU, but we've kind of touched on that. Mm. You've got the Tesseract, you've got Nick Fury, and you've got Coulson. There's your connection. Um, and to Pager, of course. The Pager. The magic Pager. That uh, she mm-hmm. upgrades. Um, and that's it. Uh, so that's that mystery cleared up. I'm glad we waited almost a year to find out the answer to it. where did she get, where did he get that pager? Uh, now you know. Yeah. Although we still don't know why he didn't use it earlier. Because it was only for emergencies. Even though everything, every single thing that they've come across has been an emergency. Yeah. Hmm. There's corruption yeah. at the highest level of government, and we need to bring down Shield. Yeah, and but we have limited resources. Where's yeah. my pager? Yeah. But that yeah, was still that was still only though like an Earth thing that wasn't like a universe thing. So I guess this is a thing because it's it's not just Earth now. It's uh, we have a killer robot everything. trying to drop a landmass on the planet and wipe out all life. Still no need for <laughs> Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, well, because it's just Earth though. Do you know what I mean yeah. like? But still, she's got wider universal duties. So. Yeah. 
He's just lucky that she didn't get waked out as part of the snap. Oh, maybe he just, oh. just didn't pick up. Maybe he's just rigging all this time. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, it's in a pocket. It's in a different jacket or something. It's just like, <laughs> it never actually connects. It's like, oh, never mind. That's what they oh. do. Sorry, I'm flying <laughs> through a tunnel during Age of Ultron. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, stuff like that. We didn't mention that, that Nick Fury sings in this film. Yeah, the, the Postman song, whatever it is. Oh, yeah. It's by the Cordettes? No, the Shirelles? The Cordettes? Something like that. <laughs> I, I, like all, I like all of that music, so I really should know. The Marvelettes. Marvelettes! Oh, of course! That was, that was the reference. It was Captain Marvel. Oh, why did Marvel. I not get that? Oh, I'm such a dum dum. <laughs> I've got like three playlists on Spotify that is just like all that music. Is one of them the Neil Before Blog playlist? What? As in the just the, the podcast. Oh, 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 that I follow. Yeah. I have listened to it on Spotify. Just, mm. just to let you know that. <laughs> um, final thoughts. Uh, it's an alright movie, but I think it's an alright movie for me. However, for younger audiences, I think they're gonna get a lot out of it, and um, it's time that we celebrated. Strength in women. Yeah. Just saying. Isaac, mm. final thought? Uh, yeah, I, I loved this. Like, I've been, I was really worried that it wasn't, like, they were going to mess it up in some way, but I'm really glad they didn't. I can't wait to watch Captain Marvel punch Thanos square in the face. <laughs> That's all I want to see. Isn't it? As long as Endgame, at some point, she just full-on, like, knocks her tooth out. That's all I want. That's all I want to see happen in that film. Will she just punch him though, or will she like punch through his head? Yeah, I want to see at least one, like, full-on sort of sucker punch to the side of the head that sends him dizzy a bit. Mate, she just punched a ship like, and destroyed it. I think if she punches Thanos, I don't know. I think there's yeah. Thanos is a tough guy though. Maybe she just punches him once and the, the rest of the film is just three hours of him like flying around the world. Smashed <laughs> <laughs> into like all the Avengers who were just out on holiday. It's just like... <laughs> oh, there's Thanos. She punches the universe back into... Yeah. Back into existence. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, my final thought is... Thought was alright. Uh, not hugely enthusiastic about it. Enjoyed this discussion though. Uh, it was working. Mm. Mm. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to Endgame, and I want to see how she interacts with the other Avengers. In the latest trailer, you kind of see Thor is impressed by her, because um, because he is. I don't know why. We'll see. We'll find out why he likes her. Why not though? Why wouldn't you be impressed by her? She's badass. Yeah, well, I mean, you don't you don't find out the reason that he says I like this one. Um, but how because she's the Starky. Sarky bitch. <laughs> yeah, Thor does like a sarky bitch. <laughs> right enough. Uh, <laughs> that's why him and Natalie Portman never worked out because she was dull. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, shanties. Well, she was. Let's let's be honest. Well, not her, just her character. So I'm saying, there's yeah, a yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure Natalie Portman's very interesting. Just you know, sure? Foster, not so much. So yeah, uh, roll on Endgame which is just over a month away mm-hmm. as we record. 
So that'll be a, a, an intense late night for me. <laughs> I was going to say. Oh, and uh, just to recap, so that came out last month. You know, by the time this comes out. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> oh, no, it won't take that long, I hope. Uh, so that's it. Yeah, so Isaac, thank you for being here and indulging your a discussion about your favourite superhero. I'm glad that we had some problems, scheduling problems that meant you could actually attend. Yay. Yeah. Yay. I'm uh, also glad that you're there. Yeah. And Natalie, thanks for being here so that we could have a woman on the podcast about a, a female superhero. Sweet. Also, don't identify me by my gender. Well, I'm not a tick box. No, I'm not I'm not saying it's a, an example of tokenism. <laughs> I'm just glad we could have a woman on the female superhero podcast. Great. No, it was nice to, to be here. And you were Thank on the you. Wonder Woman one as well, so, you know, we're two for two. Uh, great. The two, the whole two movies that there's been, like, a female oh, superhero. Like <laughs> we, can, we can do the, the Catwoman and Electra podcasts if you um, want. Nah, you're okay. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's not the only two. To be fair, yeah. though, there legit, are... have never seen Electra. Like, oh, wow. Storm, Storm should have one, and... Uh, Who's the Invisible Woman? That'd be yeah. an interesting one. The, the Invisible Woman is the Invisible Woman. Yeah. Um, well, she'll be part of the Fantastic Four. Storm might get her own film. Probably not, though. So I am off to wait for someone to page me before I get to go do something else. Wow, you might be waiting a really long time. So that was our discussion on Marvel's latest release, Captain Marvel. Thanks to YouTuber Neil Stenson for the supplied music. If you like what you heard, then please do hit that subscribe button on iTunes, YouTube, or your major podcasting app iTunes users, please leave us a star rating and a comment. If you want to discuss Captain Marvel or anything else, then hit us up on Facebook or Twitter under Neil Before Blog, or leave a comment on neilbeforeblog.co.uk. As always, we hope you'll join us on the next Neil Before Pod. <laughs> <laughs>